This is the Trophy Room, aka Trophy Room Radio. I am your host, Brett Hammer, wherever you are on this wonderful Monday. Thank you for making me part of your day. Coming up, the NBA playoffs are set, and we're going to explain how this will all work. OBJ is finally has a new home, but it's only for one year, and is that a problem? Plus, one NFL team has become absolutely desperate, and it is a bad, bad look. All that and much, much more coming up. But as you know, it is way too hard to buy quality graphic tees these days. You look it up while you get a sketchy third-party products on Etsy and eBay. None of it's real. Game Changers is throwing a wrench into all of that. Game Changers is a real company that puts real quality in the phrase, you get what you pay for. They make high-end quality shirts with all your favorite NBA and NFL teams and players, as well as rappers and other culture icons. If you head over to GameChangers.LA, you can use promo code HAMMERTIME23 for $10 off. That's capital H, HAMMERTIME23 for $10 off. No minimum order required. You can get the deal right then and there, and it's amazing. Go ahead, give me a follow on Instagram and TikTok at BHammerTime with two E's at the end instead of just one. Shoutouts. Shoutouts are this. You guys are incredible. I I say this all the time. This really started out as just me trying to get reps on a mic. Um, But... And, and Game Changers is, is new, frankly. I think we started in, in January, right? And at the end of every month, I get to see what the sales were like based on the promo code. And every single month, um, we do more sales here at Trophy Room from Game Changers. So I want to applaud and say thank you to everyone else who goes out and and cops these incredible shirts i just bought the israel adesanya the last style bender shirt that came out i think today or yesterday it's so sweet so dope but thank you guys for all the support every time you guys go and use that promo code it helps me out i mean it helps you out because you guys get ten dollars off but it helps me out because then i get money that i can put back into this which obviously this is my passion so i'm i'm super super grateful the other thing is my other passion that I'm able to put money in. Um, so I made enough money to go buy some supplies and, and stuff like that. I, uh, I, if you've seen my Instagram, I think we talked about this a little bit last week. I'm doing custom shoes now. I'm working right now on a pair of Jordan 1 Lowe's. They're real. But what I did was I stripped the Nike swoosh off the outside. I painted all of the leather red. I painted the inside swoosh black. Basically, I'm turning it into a Jordan 1 low into a red Travis Scott low. Um, right now, what we're waiting on is uh, I need – I'm waiting on some pieces of leather to cut into the swooshes. And then I'm probably going to glue those on and then sew them on afterwards because a typical sewing machine is not going to make it through that leather, which will be fun. I mean, I'm just enjoying the process. And it's a new thing. I like to be creative. I'm not super artistic in terms of being able to draw freehand, stuff like that. But this stuff I find really cool. Um, I'm, I'm going to finish it and I'll send pictures and I'll show everybody how it turned out. I didn't make a video for this one only because I wasn't sure how long it was going to take and what everything was going to entail. And it, it's taken a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Um, but I'll post pictures. And if you decide, hey, I really like that. I want to buy one. 
we can absolutely go into that. I do just want to say right off the bat, they aren't cheap and it's not because I'm trying to upsell you or upcharge you. It's because the shoe alone on its own isn't cheap. I mean, the Jordan 1 neutral gray probably came in like 210, 225. So I won't charge that much, but I, but I think they're really cool and it's Again, I'm not even trying to make business out of this. I just find it really, really fun and really enjoyable. So thank you so much for supporting me to the point that I'm able to do that. Obviously, I never intended on making any money off the trophy room. It was really just for me to have fun and for me to cope and get all my hot sports stakes out. But it's incredible that you guys continue to support every single freaking time. So thank you. We got a couple good stories. We got one that seems like collusion. Another that seems like it's what's needed. We're going to get into all of it. First thing, let me make a little bit of a PSA. because I don't feel like we've done a good enough job with this. And a couple of you have reminded me. And I appreciate that. I love your feedback. Sometimes it's stupid. Sometimes it's helpful. Um, obviously, getting facts right is very important. Really important to me. For a number of reasons, but I think one of those for me is a lot of people don't get the specifics right. And I think the specifics are really, really important. And so here's my PSA from now on, on Trophy Room Radio, this is how we're doing it. We will talk about contracts, but we're not talking about details until we have all of the details to talk about. Because I think the Daniel Jones contract the specifics that I got into, I didn't read every piece of that deal. And so some things I said were entirely correct. And so I'm going to be honest about that. So if we're going to talk about it, it's going to be accurate and it's going to be specific. It's not just going to be, oh, well, it's a $40 million deal. Okay, well, what's the signing bonus? What's the incentives? What is guaranteed? What's not guaranteed? Just as like a quick two-second overview, here's the deal. As far as contracts go, Obviously, not everything is guaranteed unless it says fully guaranteed. I believe the only real fully guaranteed quarterback deal right now is Kirk Cousins. Um, I want to say it's in the $36 million range. I don't think Deshaun Watson's is even fully guaranteed. I think it's mostly guaranteed, but it's not fully guaranteed. Same with Patrick Mahomes. Um, But basically, the way it works is there's a guaranteed base salary. There's a guaranteed signing bonus. After that, everything else is usually incentives, and it's not guaranteed money. That's based on how many games you play, how healthy you are, your receiving yards, touchdowns, other incentives like that. But signing bonus is guaranteed. Base salary is guaranteed. Odell Beckham. Here's the news. Here's the story. I know you're waiting for it. You're trying to get to it. Here we go. Odell Beckham Jr. We've been waiting to see where he's going to land ever since he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl with the Los Angeles Rams. He is now heading coast to coast. He went from, he said kind of the, I mean, he's lived everywhere, right? Started in Baton Rouge at LSU. Not, not starting Death Valley, I apologize. Death Valley to New York, to Cleveland, to LA. He's coming back to the East Coast. He's going to be a Baltimore Raven. Now, sources say that it's an $18 million deal with 15 million of that being guaranteed. 
Now, this is good and bad for a couple of reasons. The other cool thing about this story is supposedly prior to this deal, Lamar Jackson and Odell Beckham were on FaceTime talking about winning a Super Bowl in Baltimore. A couple pieces to this. The first one is, again, Odell's deal is one year. They can extend it. They can work out some other things. But Odell deal is one year. Right now, Lamar has not signed his franchise tag as of right now. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, he has. The question is, though, whether or not Odell is enough to make Lamar want to stay. Now, Lamar obviously had a trade request. And then last week the story was out that Baltimore was shopping for quarterbacks. Which makes sense because Lamar didn't want to do the deal. And asked for the trade request. He's out on the market technically on a non-exclusive franchise tag. The other fun thing about this Odo Beckham deal is that Odell gave the Jets the chance to match, and they said no. Now, $15 million guaranteed for a receiver for one year, that's a lot. So you can see why the Jets would have said no. And tells us something that we already know, and that's that Odell really was just doing this for the money. Just kind of a contract killer at this point. Like He's just up for the highest bidder. Whoever wants him, he's there. That's how it worked. And you can't really blame a guy who uh, just has been injured for the past in and out for the past few years. So it makes sense. The guy's just trying to get paid for sure. But then you have to come back to this. We have to come back to a couple of things. The first one being, is this good enough to make Lamar want to stay in Baltimore? And B, kind of coming off in that, they were on FaceTime supposedly talking about winning a Super Bowl in Baltimore. There's a lot of different ways we can look at this. The first one is, let's give Baltimore their props. Because my issue with Baltimore has always been, you never went out and got a guy for Lamar Jackson. And don't give me Rashad Baton, Devin DuVernay. That's not it. That's not how these things work. They went out and they got a free agent. And, And again, The best free agent that you'd really gotten for Lamar to this point was Sammy Watkins. So now you can say that Lamar has a legitimate receiver. How healthy is Odell going to be? How comfortable is Odell going to be? That's all to be seen. But at least we can now say that Baltimore has done their due diligence to say, look, we're working to get you better pieces. Understandable. Because my thing from the beginning is you haven't done anything for Lamar as terms of throwing the football, pushing it downfield with his arm, which for some reason is people's big criticism of Lamar is that he can't push the ball downfield. But if you look statistically, he's actually very good at throwing the football. Now you have a guy. How everybody else fits, how Odell shakes out, that's not the GM's issue. Management has figured that out for Lamar. And so now Lamar's issue is going to be what kind of deal is he going to do? Are they going to say, well, Odell, you're on a one-year, I'm on a one-year, let's see if we can get this thing done this year and see what happens? Either that or Lamar signing 
the long-term deal that Baltimore has already offered only because I don't see any team willing to overpay for Lamar and then offer the two first-round draft picks that would be required to break that franchise tag. Those are kind of your options if you're a Baltimore Raven at this point, which cool that Odell has a home, cool that Odell's going to be making money, and and it'll be a cool duo to see. We'll see how it pans out. This kind of breaks the rest of their cap space if you go and look at what the Ravens have left. But we shall see. All right, next story. We got a lot of basketball on the show today. Not as much football as I'd like, but you know what? The draft is in three weeks, so I'm sure we'll lead up a little bit more. I mean, everything that there is to do is to talk about these quarterbacks. Let's do this because it was a little bit of a confusing story. I didn't totally understand what was going on until I went and looked into it. But if you looked at anything to do with the Dallas Mavericks over the last few days, you know that Luka Doncic only played the first quarter of their game on Saturday. And you had a lot of people, or maybe it was Friday, you had a lot of people up in arms um, as to why. Some say, well, they just want to tap him out because they're going to trade him. Now they've pissed Luka off, yada, yada, yada. And I don't know where those reports initiated, but they don't seem to be true because Luka has come out and said that he's not upset. The NBA has come out and said, we're launching an investigation into why Kyrie was unavailable and why Luka didn't play and whether it was um, completely uh, ethical according to the rules of what they did. It sounds like here's what happened. The way the draft is working out this year, 2023, the Mavs' first-round pick um, is only top 10 protected based on a couple of things that need to pan out. And yes, the Mavericks had a chance to make the playing tournament, but they needed other people to lose, so it wasn't fully in their control. So their options were win and probably lose their draft pick in, in terms of uh, solid position, or... Um, go for broke and pray that it worked out. So originally it sounded like this weird collusion deal, but there, there isn't really anything. If they don't want to play him, they don't have to. I'm not totally understanding what the NBA is really looking into here. It seems like they, I mean, if a guy, if they want to set a guy out, they have that. What I think what they're more looking at is whether or not they were, Kyrie was really injured when they said that he was, or they just didn't want to play him and they didn't say that. A couple of things are totally possible. It sounds like the Dallas Mavericks don't have any intention of trading Luka. The problem being, every year Luka's been there, there's been some form of dysfunction in Dallas. Whether it was everything going on with Rick Carlisle, whether it's giving everything for a Kyrie Irving who may not even be here at the end of the year. Whatever it is, the Mavericks plan on keeping Luka Doncic. Luka sounds like he wants to stay. But either way, 
the optics continue to look like a dumpster fire. No collusion, nothing illegal going on, but you got to think that this is not a great look if you are the Dallas Mavericks. All right, next story. And then we'll get to, I'll break down this playoff picture on the schedule for you. Um, we, we've talked about this quote before. It's one of my favorites of all time, but pride is an emotion of fear, right? Like if I'm better than you and I'm confident and comfortable with that fact, I don't need to tell you that I'm better than you. I might tell my wife, girlfriend, friends, whoever that I know that I'm better than you every now and then, but I don't need to walk around telling other people that I know that I'm better than you because I just know that I am. And uh, if I need to go and say that to your face, then either you've provoked it or I'm not as secure as I think I am. And yesterday you have this funny situation where the Utah Jazz are playing the Lakers in LA. The Jazz have... Pretty much no shot at the playoffs, so they roll in their bench players. Sorry, just had to make sure I looked at that right. Yeah. The Jazz have no chance of making the playoffs. They didn't make it. And so they got Chris Dunn and the boys out there against uh, LeBron and the Lakers who are trying to win the game to avoid uh, – being the the yeah and at one point in the fourth quarter LeBron James hits a three scores a triple double awesome but they're cheering and roaring in the middle of the game against the Utah Jazz who have already been eliminated from the playoffs and LeBron looks up uh puts his hands in a little ring and crowns himself. And a lot of people are a little bit bent up about it. But the main thing that I'm hearing and seeing on Twitter is, oh, well, Michael never would have done this, this, that, and the other thing. And I don't really subscribe to the, oh, Michael never would have done that. Cause while it's true, it does come off as very uh boomer if I may say, if that's not offensive, too offensive of a term. It just seems a little bit, I don't know. I just don't like, I don't like the optics of saying Michael never would have done it, but it's true. And I won't limit it. I won't limit it to Michael. But let's even say Derek Jeter. Let's say Patrick Mahomes. Let's say Tom Brady. How many of those guys could you see in the middle of a game where they're beating a team that they should beat because the team's not playing their starters and they look at the crowd and they put a crown on their head? My issue with LeBron is not that he is an entertainer and that he's confident and that he is gallivanting around. My issue with LeBron is that it's disingenuous when you say, I don't know how to celebrate myself. I don't know how to be that guy. I don't know how to be the champion that everybody says that I am. 
but then you pass the scoring title and you shut down the entire game, then you're beating a team that you should beat and you put the crown on your head to tell everyone that you're the king. If you're the king, why do you need to put the crown on? Doesn't everybody know that you're already wearing it? Because, again, I think what LeBron is doing at this point in life is... It's miraculous. It's magnificent. It's incredible. If you go and look at his stats since he turned 35, I think he's scoring like something like 28 points a game, uh, shooting 50%. Like LeBron at this age is... There's not words to describe. But if at this point you're winning a game you should be dominating and you're putting the crown on your head after being disingenuous about the fact that you say you don't know how to celebrate you, that tells me you may not be as confident as you think you are. Or you'd like everyone to believe that you are. All right. So here's how this thing's going to work. The Lakers beat the Jazz yesterday. So Denver is going to be your one seed. Phoenix is going to be your four seed. They're going to play the Clippers, who's the five seed. The Sacramento Kings will play the Golden State Warriors. Now, Memphis, who's the two seed, also doesn't know who they're playing. So the Nuggets don't know who they're playing. Memphis doesn't know who they're playing. This is how things are going to work. The Lakers, who are seven, and the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are eight, they're going to play. The winner of that game then becomes the seven seed, and they will play the Memphis Grizzlies. Whoever loses that game will play the winner between the nine and the ten seed. Nine is New Orleans, ten is Oklahoma City. So the let's say that the Lakers beat the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Lakers would become the seven seed, play Memphis, Minnesota, would drop down and play the winner of New Orleans and Oklahoma City. Whoever wins that game then becomes the eight seed to take on Denver. Same thing in the Eastern Conference. Basically, the way it works is seven plays eight, winner becomes a seed, and then the loser of that game has a chance to play essentially the loser's bracket to become the eight seed. That's how this thing's going to work. In the Eastern Conference, your playoff seeds look as such. Milwaukee's the one seed waiting to see who they play. Cleveland four playing the Knicks, who are the five seed. The 76ers are the three seed, playing the six seed Brooklyn Nets, which is really fun because right now the 76ers are minus 1,000 betting odds. It's insane how much money you could make if somehow the 76ers were to lose to the playoff series. Then Boston is coming in at the two seed, also waiting to see who they play. So Atlanta and Miami will play on Tuesday. The winner of that game will become the seventh seed to take on the Boston Celtics. And then the loser of that game will play the winner of Toronto and Chicago. The winner of that game becomes the A seed, plays the Milwaukee Bucks. It's a little bit confusing, but I think it's fun. Um, next story, Rudy Gobert. I think he's severely overrated. I've been saying that for years now. I just will never forget two years ago. Watching um, Rudy Gobert get absolutely bodied on the block by Jalen Brunson, who is an entire foot shorter than him and probably 100 pounds lighter than him. But 
So I've just never been sold on Rudy Gobert, despite people saying, oh, he's a two-time defensive player of the year. Sure, but, I mean, what else has he done for you? Like, he didn't take COVID seriously. Not that, well, I won't go there. But Rudy Gobert, I think, provides almost zero value. And yesterday, he's on the bench with Kyle Anderson and takes a shot at Kyle Anderson, takes a swing, and he's immediately sent home. And you almost get the vibe like nobody else there super respects Rudy. Which then makes it super funny because you start to think that maybe Danny Ainge... I mean, we knew that Danny Ainge fleeced the Minnesota Timberwolves. And it's cool that the Timberwolves still made the playoffs and the Jazz didn't. But to be frank with you, I don't think the Jazz wanted to make the playoffs. They like what they can go get in the draft more than losing in the first round of the playoffs. I was at work yesterday and... Or Saturday, I apologize. Somebody was talking about how Danny Ainge is too cavalier and too aggressive and too competitive. And they hate him as a GM. And if you hate Danny Ainge as a GM, look at the Celtics and tell me you hate him as a GM. He knew what Rudy Gobert was and what he wasn't. And that's why he swapped him so quick. Made Minnesota believe they had something real nice in him when, to be completely honest... Carl Anthony Towns is just as good, if not better, and definitely stretches the floor a whole lot more. So it'll be interesting to see if Rudy Gobert plays in this playing game after punching his own teammate. It'll be fun. Um, Next story. I think, guys, I think I'm finally ready to say that I'm sold on Bryce Young. I just feel like, I don't know if the Texans are the right place for him. I think that's probably the worst. I think if you are the Panthers, that's a great place to be. I think, uh, obviously, Arizona doesn't need a quarterback. Chicago, or sorry, Carolina, that would be a good spot. Houston, pray no. Arizona doesn't need a quarterback. Indianapolis is at four. They could use Bryce Young. I think that would be a lot of fun. I pray that Indianapolis doesn't go and get Will Levis. I think that would be, honestly, a pathetic move. Um, But here's why. So you go back and watch him at Alabama. It's so easy, whether it's your first day at work, your first day at a new school, wherever you're at, It's so easy to get nervous and to let things get to you and overwhelm you, especially when you're not even in the right weight class to be playing with these um, SEC DNs and these Texas linebackers. But just, I mean, go back and watch Bryce Young. When was the last time you really saw him rattled? And look, was there holding on... Yeah, absolutely there was. However, he's still that good. He just, he never, ever, ever gets rattled, which I think, again, it's one thing to say that at your new job or your new school. It's a whole other thing to say that when grown men are making it their lives, their life's mission 
to tear you up and you don't have the weight to hang. So I think Bryce Young, wherever he goes, I mean, you 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 would like, you would prefer the the dancing around in the pocket to stay at a minimum. But after going back and watching Bryce Young's film, I'm just so convinced that no matter where he goes except for Houston, I don't know that he'll be a legend at quarterback, but I know that he uses space and he uses the backfield better than any quarterback that I can remember doing it, seeing in a long time. I think the other difference is uh, I really wouldn't describe Bryce Young as a dual threat because tell me this, would you describe Patrick Mahomes as a dual threat? When they first created the word dual threat and we started using it for high school kids and now we rank kids based on whether they're a pocket passer or a dual threat and I just think sometimes we think too deep on it. Uh, But Bryce Young is, while he's incredibly athletic, is not a dual threat because I almost feel like dual threat has become somewhat of a derogatory term. Maybe not derogatory, but... Sometimes it seems more like an insult than it does a compliment. And Bryce Young just never gives you the vibe that he wants to run the football. He always wants to throw it. He'll run it if he has literally no other option if it's green grass ahead. But Bryce Young is always looking to make the right throw. And then, oh yeah, he has a howitzer for an arm. And the Patrick Mahomes ability that... Again, I think we sometimes throw that around too much. There's Patrick Mahomes throws, but the only other person that I see with the football in their hands who can make the same throws that Mahomes can is Bryce Young. And I said that when he was in high school. I was saying that. So give me my props. All right, last story. I know it's a short show today, but who knows? Maybe you guys like it that way. Um. So... The Jets are just getting so desperate. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not super here for it. Because at first the Jets were like the cool new kid at the school who all the girls want to date him just because he's new. And like you were just rising up because you came back from the summer and got your braces off. The acne went away. You got a nice haircut. And now all of the girls are into you. And that was kind of it for the Jets. They're like, oh, Sauce Gardner. That's a, that's a solid cut. And then uh, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and uh, the rest of these boys come back from summer looking real nice, win some games. Was it perfect? No, but quarterback wasn't there. And so then it was like, okay, we got a little bit of respect for the Jets now. But now they're just being desperate. So Joe Douglas said that he's still very sure Aaron Rodgers will play for them even though it seems like there's a little bit of a stalemate as to, again, like we talked about, what the Packers want in compensation and what the Jets want in contingency based on whether or not Aaron Rodgers wants to play next year, which the Packers are obviously coming out saying, screw that, that's not our problem. Um, But when I say desperate, I mean they went ahead and signed. I mean, look, they got Mercedes Lewis. They got Randall Cobb. Be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised if they also went out and got Jordy Nelson. 
But they also went ahead and and signed one of Aaron Rodgers' long-term uh, backup quarterbacks who never plays, but Aaron just really likes him for a number of reasons. Um, You almost feel like they're trying too hard. And I don't think anyone in the history of dating or courting business-wise or otherwise has ever gotten someone by being desperate. That doesn't typically work. And it kind of feels like at this point with the Jets, they're getting desperate saying, uh, it's it's almost like um, Zava and Ted Lasso, if you guys are watching that show right now. They do, Zava is basically this otherworldly soccer player and he becomes a free agent and everybody wants him. And so everybody just bends over backwards to give him whatever he wants and telling him he doesn't even have to come to team meetings. He can run the huddle if he wants. He can run everything if he wants, whatever he wants to do because he's that good. And it's like, we'll just cater to you. We'll bend over, give you whatever you want. And you're kind of getting the sense with the Jets that at first it was like, okay, now we are just going to do whatever and, and anything that Aaron Rodgers wants in order to get him here, in order to get him happy, to keep him happy. And the thing is like, in any relationship, there's definitely a delicate balance to keeping someone happy, but not forcing them to be happy. And it feels like the Jets are trying to force Aaron Rodgers to be happy by giving him whatever he wants. But if you have to do that, then you really don't have a relationship at all. And... I mean, the Jets are just playing way too desperate, way too desperate with Aaron and way too desperate with the Packers. Um, I think that's going to be it for the show today, guys. I am so clanked out. I was up till four last night. And I didn't sleep well. And then Easter was just crazy. So and I got work here Monday morning. So I'm trying to get up get this thing done early and i'm about to zonk out as we speak again thank you guys so much for supporting game changers and by in turn supporting me to be able to chase other passions that i love we will be back with you on wednesday thank you so much for hanging out and cheers